It takes years to build a business that sustains a family and is worth passing on. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work closely with clients to provide the financing, cash management, and deposit products necessary to grow a business. So your life's work will continue to prosper once it's in someone else's hands. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? Acast is the home of podcasting. For creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know Acast. It's time you did too. Visit Acast.com to find out more. Acast. For the stories. Hello and welcome to Wolves Fancast. Matt Guy here, joined by Stu, Pricey and Gully. Good evening, gentlemen. Good yeah. evening. Some dour faces to match the rain <laughs> at the Hawthorns uh, this evening. But as always, we are here to talk about the Wolves fixture this evening, the 1-1 draw with our arch rivals, West Bromwich Albion, uh, in a game where we gave them the nail in the coffin you might say a small nail but a nail in the coffin for their Premier League survival um, talking about the game as we always will some actual lineup news to actually talk about for a change because it wasn't the same usual Nuno show some enforced changes what did you think first of all Gully what did you think when you saw the lineup well it was interesting um which is the case in itself, you know, and it isn't always the case that um, that it is a, a talking point, like you say. And um, it was, I think, open to interpretation as well. Once you saw the names, um, how you thought they would actually end up being fielded, because there was talk of it being a four-two-three-one, talk of it being a back-five shape with Dendonka dropping back in. You know, Owen Otisawi being the bit of the wild card, I guess. You know, we all seem to think that he's a central midfielder um, based on the way he's played for the 23s and whatnot. But Nuno obviously had other ideas. And um, yeah, I, it was nice to see the, the the names on the team sheet that we did, I think, because we've, we've all called for the likes of Fabio to get their start, Vitinha in particular as well, and Otisawi in some quarters. So, um while it might have been enforced, I think we stumbled upon um, quite a, a nice-looking team, to be honest. Mm, I'd agree there. I'd agree there. Price, in terms of Silver starting over William Jose, in terms of, you know, got his goal and he's off the mark, but he brings Silver in. Why has he done that, do you think? And do you think it was the right decision? Obviously, he gets the goal with a massive bit of fortune, but we'll get onto that later. Do you think it was the right call or were you surprised by it? Oh, and what a goal it was as well, eh? Um, definitely the right call uh, for me. I've never been, I've never been a fan of of William Jose to be, to be honest. I, to be honest, I don't think many people are. I don't think I'm. I don't think that's a unique viewpoint for me there or anything like that. But I think Silver Silver's our guy, and he's our guy long term. So I know he, it was probably 
the right call early in the season to take him out of the team. But, you know, Jose has not really offered too much uh, since his time in the team. So I think the time was right to put him back in the team mm-hmm. and to stick with him now as well. Um, he's just got more drive about him than William Jose does. You could see as the game went on, and certainly after his goal today, that he's got, he's got a bit more confidence about him in, mm-hmm. in everything that he does. Um, not, even, even in his own build-up play as well. Um, he's already got a handful of goals now this season um, based upon you know, him being in and out of the team. So I'm looking forward to what he could do next year, although you know, his role might be the same again when, when Raul gets, gets fit again. But I think we all can agree that it's the right call for him to be in the team. I think we are seeing him come on now as well. So it's positive positive news for us really mm-hmm. and Stu I mean the only thing that's more likely than you pulling a hammy when you play football it's the usual lineup as you would attest to what did you think when you saw the lineup was it something that you think would be refreshing it were very harsh comments there um like Gully said we, we've stu- we stumbled onto something which we've been asking for for months if not for longer um Vettini has been shown more than enough in the little glimpses of what we've seen in a wall shit and then under 21 games for Portugal that he's more than capable of playing with better players. And when you've got Dendonka pissing about and not doing much, Neves not doing much all season, same with Antonio. It's a a scandal, really, that he's not had many minutes before today. Mm -hmm. So however you got to the decision of playing him, Wonderful. He's 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 played and look at the performance he's put in. Mm-hmm. So if that's not a, well, fuck you, Nuno, to him, then I don't know what else is. Because, <laughs> I mean, and we said before, and we said, well, this could be like Dan kind of mentioned it in the group, saying, yeah, he's, he's damned if he does, damned if he don't. But he's brought that on himself by not playing these people. And like Price said, there we silver. There's no no need to play William Jose ever again. Because Silva's played ninety, he's played he's played ninety minutes from the start, and look at the performance he's put in. Yeah, it's against the second worst team in the league, admittedly, but you've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he he held himself more than against phys- physical opposition like Bartley and stuff like that. So I don't want to see him again. I think that, that there's players in that team tonight, well, this after evening, whatever it was. Um, that should stay there now for the rest of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I especially think with like Vitinha as well. Like we saw, we saw him in like Portugal under twenty ones or under twenty threes, whatever. And I, I haven't. I know still you've watched it probably more, as most of, of any of us here. But the bits I've seen of him, he looks like a different player when he's playing for Velvet. Oh, granted, you know he gets his five minutes a game normally with Wolves, but then you see him play for like his his national team, the age bracket. And you're thinking, well, I'm going to minute. It actually looks quite an exciting play here. What's what's he not showing? What's he not doing in training for Nuno to, to never never pick him or to never start him? And like today, as we've seen, it's actually quite an exciting prospect. Um, whether or not it's enough now between now and the end of the season for us to keep him next year, I don't know. But for me, as, as I said, we've, I think he's got the shirt now as for the rest of the season. It'll mm. be the last four, last four games is what's left of it. But, you know, we should be seeing what he can do now for the rest of the season. Hmm, absolutely. Um, moving on to then the start of the game, really. Hammered it down um, 
in Albury and Sunwell all day. I was there working. So I know how bad that the rain was outside there. And it made for a horrible playing surface to begin with. Gully, you played, you know, Sunday League. And how bad would it have been for, for those players that, like, you know, we want to play with Zip. And we did for a majority of the first half. Less said about the second, but the rain came down even more. It wasn't really set up for silky football, was it? No, I, I mean, everybody would tell you that you need a bit of slick on the surface to zip the ball about. But the one condition that you know nobody wants to play in is windy conditions. And you could see that the ball was swirling around. I mean, I guess if a team is going to take advantage of that kind of thing, it's going to be West Brom under Sam Allardyce. And mm-hmm. the few occasions that they put the ball into the box early on, you could see there was a bit of um, hesitancy around where it was going to drop. I actually thought, to be fair, Patricio did all right, yeah. um, claiming balls there really and stuff, um, given the conditions that he was playing under. Um, but for the for the first hour of the game, I'd say we managed it pretty well. Then, you know, the heavens really opened, didn't they? And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, it almost became too detrimental to both teams um, in the sense that nobody seemed to be able to put a pass together. And there was some really poor moments in the final third and uh, probably a lot to do with, like you say, the absolute downpour that we suffered from. Mm, definitely. Well, looking at, at the first half and the kind of and the kind of game plan, it was really evident that we were happy holding on to the ball and, and frustrating Albion, you know, as much take take the derby factor away from this. They needed the win far, far more than we did again before we get pelters taking the derby element out of it so it's clear we wanted to frustrate them it's clear that we wanted to allow them to you know they were pressing counter them if needs be did you think price that it was only going to be a matter of time before we would score and shut up one of the the biggest cliches against walls that we don't score in the first half did you think it was a matter of time before we would score as we were building pressure or were you not as hopeful uh, i thought we were like well, let's face it, compared to the Burnley game, it was like chalk and cheese, wasn't it? But I thought we were solid, if like unspectacular. It's a decent first half from us. Um, I never thought, I know we clocked up about, what, 10 or 11 chances. Um, but none of them, I thought, you know, were clear, over, too overly clear cut. Um, so for me, I thought, I was thinking, it's, you know, it's it's a great it's an improvement against Burnley. It's an improvement from what we've seen on re- certainly on recent times on on this for, this formation plays that we fell upon, um, and the goal itself had an element of fortune about it. Albeit though that was a well worked a well worked um, goal that we did score and a good passage of play. Um, but honestly, if I'm honestly speaking, I never thought that we should have been like a couple of goals up. By the, by the by half time, I thought that it was an improvement, solid, um, but that was about it, really. I, I, couldn't, I, mean, I couldn't really say that we should have been a few goals up. Mm, Stu, what are your thoughts on the chances we created in the first half? I mean, we had a couple of we had a couple of really guilt edge one. My recurrent Samedo anytime goal scoring bet almost came in. I probably would have about broke even at this point in the season. What do you think about our chances in the first half? They always fall on his left foot, though, don't they? Every single time. And to be fair to him, he always gets a bit of power behind them. They're not, mm. they're almost too well hit in a way. They're always down the keeper's throat. And like Price said, that 
it's almost like every time we play with four at the back, yeah, we create shit loads of chances and it looks good on paper, but none of them are like, yeah, should have scored, should have scored. And it was better, obviously. Um, but again, we were so wasteful against the 19th team in the league. Mm. When, I mean, Sace headed, headers from corners and set pieces and just there'd be times in the past where you'd be burying them. And you think, well, just come on, just concentrate a bit more. But like, going in a half-time nil-nil was just what I expected to happen because that's what happens because it's Wolves. Mm. Um, so to get an actual bit of good fortune, which if William Jose was there, wouldn't have happened because we wouldn't have been there for one. Um, but it was rightly deserved at half-time for me. I, mean, I thought we 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 bossed possession. We just it it was very much a, a case of an established Premier League team against someone who's going down next week mm. in terms of possession and, and actually moving the ball around. Because other than crossing into the box, that didn't really trouble us for me, and I never really felt in any kind of danger, which is a, a kind of strange feeling after the last few weeks. Mm, yeah, that's fair enough. I want to talk about. Um... The American Idol, Otisawi, for a second. A really strange game for him. I think he played well. I'll preface what I'm about to say. That he ran the channels. Um, he looked really comfortable when under under pressure. When he had about two or three men around him, would he give away possession with a, a, an errant pass when under zero pressure? Is that nerves? Is that is that not match fit? Not match fitness. Sorry, match sharpness. What is that? Do you think it was just a case of the occasion? I don't know. Talk me through it. I, I, I quite I quite liked what I saw, if I'm being honest, from yeah. Isari. I think he looks like the kind of player who he's got all the attributes, but nobody really knows what he should be mm. doing on the pitch, mm-hmm. so to speak, in the sense that and we've seen that from Nuno where he's played in a number of different positions now. You know, they spoke about it on uh, during the game. He came through as a centre half, he's played in midfield for the 23s. He's playing up front on his de- uh, full debut against Burnley and now he's playing out on the right-hand side today. So it's almost as if people are still trying to figure him out as a player, but mm-hmm. they can see the talent and they can see the potential. Um, what I liked from him was that he he does take the ball under pressure and he's able to wriggle out of some really... T- he's got really good feet for a big yeah. lad and um, able to wriggle out of some tight situations. And to be honest... If if that's not his natural position, you know, and he's not, you know, necessarily grown up playing, you know, as a flying right winger uh, through through the years, the year groups and whatever, he's done a decent, made a decent fist of it, I think today. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, I agree. You know, yeah. Well, he's. But do you not think that's a detriment though, Jim Gully? Though, do you not think that's detriment, or do you not think that's not going to be great for Otisari that he's had been in so many positions so far? Because a player can't go on in that vein, can he? Always moving absolutely, from position to position between players, can he? Yeah. We need I, to find I, what works best for him, don't we? I think I think there's a there's a, a new no thing here, which is his lack of trust in footballers in general. I think and we've seen that with the way that he sets his teams up. They're always defence first and it's always about protection. And he, he you know, Otisawi should be playing through the middle of the pitch, I think, driving, you know, with the ball, getting away from players and stuff. But yeah. with that comes a risk of losing it. And I don't think Nuno can get the idea of us, him losing the ball in the centre of the park and us suddenly being on the, you know, being broken against out of his head because that's just that, the way that he is. Um, yeah, so think, he's, yeah. he's almost protecting Otisawi from those mistakes by putting him out on the flank and it not being such a dangerous position for him to, 
do all of his flicks, tricks, whatever. Maybe I think it probably comes down to as well that he didn't start playing football till pretty late. From not proper what, football, yeah. yeah, yeah. From from what we've heard, I mean, everyone else is yeah. through the academies and they're all schooled from the age of nine to not piss about in the middle. Whereas he's a bit rough and ready, the, mod, the whole model thing, which is now the new Kilman futsal reference. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it's got a bit of that too. It's a bit like Maitland-Niles for, for them. He's not really settled in one position. He's been played everywhere for Arsenal and now he's playing in midfield and that's why he went to Albion in the first place, to play in midfield. And maybe that's it. It's just going to take a few years. It's going to take time for him to settle. And now he's best best position for himself, but he's definitely got something about him, 100%. I think we're all glad to just. I think a lot of us were glad just to see him given the chance, weren't we? Because yeah. again, he's one of he's one of those we've been crying out for. Because the same old, same old of uh, Matinho Neves in the middle. You know, we've we've been there, done that. I've got the t-shirt, haven't we? You know, we know that doesn't really work anymore. And I mean, God, even even donk donk plus one in the middle wasn't really seeming to work in the middle. So it was like, let's just try something different for a change. Let's get Otter in there. Let's see what he can do. But I mean. Uh, granted, you know, he wasn't in the middle. He was out on the wise. Like like you guys, I, I quite like what I saw from him. Um, great play for the goal as well from him as well. Yeah. Good driving forward. Um, so I'd uh, I'd like to see more of him. Hopefully, Nino agrees. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think I mentioned this at the start of the episode. International author and writer extraordinaire Gully um, wrote a piece earlier in the week around another starlet in the team today, uh, Ait Nuri. What did you make of Ait Nuri during this game? Obviously, he looked up for it today. He really, really attacked and, you know, commentary made that remark as well. Um, and, you know, he wasn't really tested too much in his defensive duty, so he had the free reign to attack. What did you make of his performance? I think in the last month, he's kind of earned himself a deal, I think, to be honest. He's... You compare him to what he was like at the start of the season defensively, he's just matured massively. Mm-hmm. And he was the best of an incredibly awful bad bunch last week. And I thought today he was solid. Again, solid solid defensively, but going forward, he's more of a threat than Vinagre ever was, especially in the Premier League. I, lo- I, yeah, I, I really liked his performance today. I thought it was great. It, mainly from like, we saw how good he can be offensively because like, as you say, he was allowed to do that today because, you know, what work he had to do defensively was, you know, a bit mitigated considering who he was up against. But it's funny, actually, you mentioned about, like, give, earning a deal. I think, like, the way it's going, they'll earn a deal by default, even <laughs> because, like, Johnny, Johnny's bossed again and Marcel is permanently being paper mache back together again. So the way it's going, I think it'll be default, default. He's got himself a deal. But, yeah, like, today... I really liked him. I mean, I know he went, he went on a few amazing runs. He's putting in good crosses, really attacking uh, their fullbacks. Um, I think we saw like that really good side of his of his game today. And um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it the price? Was it twenty million we pay for him, or am I, or have Eight, I overshot 18. that? Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, I there we go. That's, that's up for negotiation though, as well. So hopefully we can, yeah. we can have a word on that. Well, hopefully Jeff. Jeff yeah, Jeff's got his negotiating hat on. He pulls some out of the bag. Um, I think based on that current on this performance, if you can keep if you can keep sort of this performance up, I would say it's a no-brainer really to sign him, given that's that's going to be a position of need come the summer. I, th- I think, and to, to be fair, I mean it's credit to Allardyce, not that we really want to give him too much credit. Um, that change that they made in the first half, 
you know, it really had a big influence on Ait Nuri and Samedo in particular, not getting into the final third and making stuff happen because they were looking threatening from a goal perspective. You know, they're actually offering more of a threat than you'd say, you know, Triore did today. Um, and they were really getting lots of joy. Um, I mean, we'll get onto to Adama, I'm sure. But, you know, Ait Nuri, like we say, he... He is all we've got in that position <laughs> at the moment. So how how can you not sign him? You know, he's, he's he's had a season to bed in with the club. He'll understand the system and the way we work a lot better. Um, and you know, all things point towards you know Nuno still being at the helm. I think at the start of next season. So you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk about um, let's talk about the goal first of all. Some lovely footwork from um, from. So to just get the ball away, I know he has a fantastic bit of fortune. And um, was it that Henri kept calling it an Inzaghi goal? I've <laughs> never heard that term, ever. So that's news to me, that one. But, you know, I doubt it, but it would be great if it just became the thing where, you know, I think it's Vardy always scores against the Albion. And now we have Fabio Silva doing it if we ever play them again in recent memory. It'd just be fantastic <laughs> if that was the case. But, you know, it's great for him to get a goal under his belt on his start, played the full 90 minutes as well. The lad, the lad is showing promise in a season that we would never expect him to play as much game time. It can only be a positive going forward for him. But what did you make of him in today's game, Pricey? As we said before, you know, he's, he gets a nod over William Jose any any day of the week now. Um, I think against his general his general play was an, is is an improvement on not just his earlier performance in the season, but also up against his competition, which he, which is William Jose. So um, he was he was going quite confident. I think he was after the goal he scored. You know, he, I remember him picking up the ball, running at their defence, having getting a shot away that forced Johnson into a save. Um, I think we just see more. We just see more of the confidence coming from him. Hopefully, you know, for the rest of the season, he'll he'll probably start, or hopefully, he'll start the, the next next or the remaining games we've got. Hopefully, we'll see that confidence just grow and grow, and then uh, with the summer off. When he comes back next season, you know, we expect, again, depending on what his role is in the team, we expect to see more again from him next season. Um, I don't, I don't doubt for one minute. You know, the common consensus amongst Wolves fans at the minute is that he's got to be starting. Um, I go back to what I said earlier. Um, earlier in the season, I think the common consensus that he was right to take him out of the team because he wasn't having the effect that he's now having on teams. I think that just comes with you know the constant. Learning off others, constantly improving his play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, hopefully we just get to see more of the same, or it, well, more improvement going going on with him. Stu, mm-hmm. I love the kid. He's great. He's, <laughs> I mean, for all the for all the stick that we gave him, and it, it, it was never really stick, was it? It was always a kind of we all knew that he shouldn't be there, and it's not it's he pity. Wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't his fault that he was he was playing, but. The only reason that William Jose had to play before was so he could. I mean, I said it on air. Put him on to be beat up for seventy minutes, and then throw Silver on for twenty. But now, Silver's giving it out, and he's getting stuck in, and he's he's bulked up massively in the space of. I mean, he took Neto a year, and he took this kid what eight months. I mean, I, I, I jokingly put a tweet out in the week. I mean, before the blackout, before we get onto that, um, that. 
it could be like it could be like Bull and Keen next year, who Raul and Silva. And who knows? It could be Master and Apprentice. Because he's definitely he's he's never the 35 million thing's gonna haunt him forever until he's a superstar, but he's still only 18 years old. So to be doing what he was doing in a derby game against a Sam Allardyce led defence, superb tonight. Mm-hmm. Superb. Gully, talk talk me through the goal itself. What did you make of the um the build up play? Massive yeah. bit of fortune, but that happens in football. So what what did you make of uh, of the goal itself? Oh yeah, I was just going to say this. Uh, this podcast is dedicated to Vitini's little back heel um, <laughs> in the build-up to the goal. So shout out to to my man Vitini. What what a player he is, by the way. Honestly, well, we're we're, we're going to get on to him, but yeah, I'm yeah. going to want to highlight him in in as much detail as possible. But talk me through the goal. Yeah, um, yeah, like I say, I think we mentioned with Otisawi, um picking up the ball in, uh, down the flank, and normally in that position, it's 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 probably Adama who tries to get down the line, get across him. But we actually look to play inside a lot more today. And there's a lot more combination between all the, those players. And I think someone like Bettini is the reason that that happens because he shows for the ball and he needs players around him for it to work. Um, and he had Tomato running into the box for that goal as well. Nice little flick towards Silva. Um, and he's just got that knack, you know. Mm. You can't you can't buy with Silva. You just can't, this, this weird... You know, he always manages to get a shot away. You know, if even if there's three or four bodies between him and the goal, you know, he thought he forced another decent save out of Johnston, I think, um, in the second half. And you can't teach that. You can't, you know, just you know, instill that in a player, um, you know, who you've picked up off a shelf. This is why he's gonna go on to become a brilliant goal scorer, I think, because whatever happens, he's involved in the game, even if he's missing chances, he's always there to actually miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's so much that you can say for him that you can't say for someone like William Jose, which, you know, it, sorry, William, but, you know, this is what <laughs> you're there to do. This is what you're there to do. And Silver's got us, you know, a result today. And could have got you know what, you, you mentioned that about Enak. That probably explains why, like, he scored so many goals at his youth level, because he just seems to have that knack, doesn't he? You know, probably when we, when he first come, we were like, well, how does this kid scored so many goals at his yeah. level? And you think, no, you probably can't see because he has that instinct yeah. or he knows and kind he, of where to be. We're probably doing him a disservice by calling it a knack. There's intelligent movement involved in all of it as well. You know, it's it's really well thought out. His runs that he makes are very, very good. Um, and the, the fact that he is always making runs as well is another thing, because you can't say that for some of the more statuesque strikers that we've had in the past. Um, he's always looking to try and get in behind and get on the end of chances. And that's a defender's nightmare. If I'm playing against a striker who's constantly trying to run off my shoulder, it's an absolute pain in the arse. You just don't want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Gully, I know you want to talk about it. So let's talk for Tina. I mean, the performance tonight makes you understand why people want him to be the natural successor to Matinho. He was an outstanding performance this evening from the lad and, he makes you question why or what about his training or anything else makes Nuno not play him in the first place. Gully, talk me through his performance this evening and what you enjoyed about it so much. Honestly, I, I really think today was like the marker that he's laid down that, you know, he's going to be a serious, serious footballer. Um, I, I know he's he started games earlier in the season. I think there was one game against Brighton where he kind of got a little bit lost um, and didn't really didn't really put a marker down uh, during that game. But today, just he, he's one of those players that makes everybody else around him better, um, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what you should be looking to do 
as a footballer. You've got to be greater than the sum of your parts. You can't be an individual. Someone like Traore, you know, for all of his individual qualities, they're very individual. Um, he's not a combination player. But Vitinha, you know, in tight spaces, uh, you know, it. there was, uh, there was um, I think someone gave a foul away. Um, and the referee blew his whistle. And just as he blew his whistle, Vitinha put put the nutmegs on one of the Albion players. And it was just absolute oh, cool. filth. And I just wish he'd played on because he would have been in a decent position. Um, but And I, I think the other thing that's worth pointing out here, Porto didn't even give him his debut before he joined Wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't actually had much professional football experience at all. So to think that this is his benchmark where he's starting from and the more he plays, he's only going to get better. You know, we've got some a real exciting player on our hands, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Stu, what are your thoughts on uh, on his performance this evening? Just take care of what he says. I mean, he, it's, he was outstanding and he's just, he's kind of, uh, it's going on to get two youth games that everyone saw because it was against England and England and the 21s are not very good. But, he played like Matino in them games and he mm-hmm. played in central midfield rather than being more advanced like he did today. And yet it's blatantly obvious that that's where he could play. He could play anywhere he wanted to. Is that good? Um, but I think that's going to be the thing. If he's, we, he's still going to be in next season. I mean, we know this. Um, will he trust him to play next to Neves? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could ask the question, should Neves even be in the team? I mean, I know, I know he's come back from illness and stuff, but I mean, come on. But would Nuno trust Vitinha in a, in a midfield too? And I think he would. I think that's that's only gonna, the only problem it's going to be. So we're going to have to play 43-1 for Vitinha to play for me next season. That's that's the only reason I can see him not playing. Mm-hmm. Because he's that's that good. Fair enough. Price, have the final say on Vitinha. Yeah, I mean, kind of just um, obviously with with the guys here, um, you begin to you do question what what's what, you know why now? What, why has it took so long for us to for him to see what what he can do? Um, obviously, Nuno has just gone with the established order for most of the season. Neves, Matinho, Dendonk in the middle. And yeah, the, the formation just playing playing to his hands. I don't think he would play Vitinha in like a, a two. In the middle, it has to be it has to be part of the the attacking three behind behind the um, behind Fabio Silva basically. But again, yeah, today just showing exactly why you need to play for the last four games, um, and then we should be looking to based on today's performance, we should be looking to to, to sign him. I know we're only judging it off on one one game, but um, it's, it's show, the performance was there today to show that if you can keep that up, it's, it's a no-brainer. Really, I think it, yeah. we should be looking. We should be looking to sign him. I know it's, it's a bit harsh to, to, to judge him, you know, based upon you know the little five minutes he gets here and there, or an FA Cup game against Chorley or, or what have what have you. But um, shown on shown today, showing you can ju- you can just you can see the skills and attributes he's got. You can see what he brings to the team. Let. Let's see it again for the next four last four games of the season, and then let's hopefully we just see more of the same into next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the positives out of the way. Thank Christ for that. So we can dig into <laughs> the second half. No, no, I'm only joking. Um, right, so we do need to talk about the goal. We conceded, however, and it seems to be the curse of not being able to a have Bolly as a um, tall uh, positional 
player leaving a man unmarked in the box should be a crime punishable by stoning outside the man on the horse in my book. Thierry Henry made a really good point about how Sace's positioning was was abysmal for the goal. It's just time and time again, we get caught out with the same thing over and over, it seems like at the moment. Is the answer as cutthroat as it is, we just don't play Sace in that position? And if unfortunately that means he probably doesn't get anywhere near the squad going forward if if, if we can get a centre-back in the transfer window. I think Sace is... I mean, Sace one of the only problem. There was Samedo being right next to Cody for whatever reason. Cody mm-hmm. not telling Samedo to be where he's supposed to have been. And then the the ball comes in and Sace is nowhere to be seen. I mean, all three of them are culpable for me. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's the natural thing to... Uh, I said it a couple of weeks ago that I fully expect... I mean, I'd be willing to give Cody a go with if we get a top, top centre-half in just to see how he'd do. Just being marked, being like we said about Vitinha making players around him better. If you if you got a set a centre half who's superb next to you, then you can kind of you up your game, don't you? It's a kind of natural thing to do. So I think Sace's days are numbered from ne- this season anyway. He's a squad mm. player for next season for me. He's, I mean, he has to be. We can't we can't mm. kick off in August with Sace in anywhere near the starting lineup. No mm. sense. Mm. No sentimentality. No, we got a half half of this team. The days are numbers. It's just the way it's football, and the, you have to move on. But yeah, just shocking defending again. And it, that game was kind of a, summed our season up in a way for me. I've defended him before, to be honest, quite a lot. Um, saves, but I think he's it's, there's been a bit of a drop off. Um, I'm just never confident when like crosses come into the box. You know that certainly from like an, an Allardyce team where there'll be lots of them, but. I just thought I could see it coming in a way because we all, I just always I always felt a bit pensive when those crosses come because I thought you know you know it's going to come eventually. I, um, certainly without Bolly being there. Um, so yeah, I think I'd, I'd agree. You know, I think the goal was a bit of a shocker. Very basic, very, very basic social distant defending, really, wasn't it? Essentially, no, nowhere to be nowhere to be seen against against the attacker, but. Um, I think it's it is probably a bit of evidence or a bit of a bit more weight to the argument to say that that does now that is an area where we can't just carry on getting by, so to speak, with with our midfielders turned defenders. We need to go and get out, get out there, and go and get an established, uh, high quality centre half to improve us in that area. Because I think we need it. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit because. That cross was unbelievable. I, mm-hmm. I really do think that, it, it, and he, he couldn't have put it more on Diania's head than than he did. But it also didn't necessarily need to be that level of perfection of a cross to probably end up with a goal because, exactly. like you say, Sace was called ball watching um, on that one. I think it does come back to the point where, with the back four, your fullbacks are starting starting narrower, you know, positionally. Um, and Samedo is going to find it more difficult to get out and stop the crosses um, if you've got an overlapping fullback like they did they had in that situation. Um, with about five, you know, Samedo could probably stop that cross because his starting position is so much closer to the guy crossing the ball. The other thing that could have happened is Aitnuri spots the danger a little bit, comes in, tucks in a little bit more towards Dianya um, and at least has a challenge on him. But yeah. Uh, when you when you're defending those kind of situations, so it is playing percentages sometimes, and the percentages are 
Connor Townsend does not put that ball in the box. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, you're yeah, not yeah, expecting yeah. Connor Townsend to find, you know, Dianya in that space in the box because you just don't, you don't believe he'll do it. And the most important thing at the end of the day is first contact on the ball. You know, you could be stood right next to your man, but if he still beats you to the ball, you know, that's, you know, you're still marketing. Positionally, you're still okay, but ultimately he's still got his head on it, hasn't he? Um, so there's a couple of things there. But then, like you say, you know, we're still talking about Cody and Sace as our centre-half partnership. That should never be the case three years into our Premier League kind of um, stay. So no, no. it's, it's first, first priority for me, um, especially if we are going to persist with the back four. And I think on the evidence of today's performance, I think people are going to be much more behind the idea of us going this way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, we, we got we got wins four by Burnley in the back five last week. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well just go for it now. There's no point being we've we've been sensible for I know we'll, we'll come on to it later, but we've been sensible for three years nearly. Yeah. And all this about our oh, Nuno wanted a back four. No, he, he played in it back four because Cody had COVID. That's the only reason this was tried halfway through a season. Yeah. And so it, it was not the plan, but obviously it's been tinkered with ever since. But he I mean Nuno knows that those guys needed protecting, and that's why we played with a back five. Yeah. You know, that's why we play with the two sitting midfielders in front of, you know, the three defenders that we've had, because as individuals, you can't go out and play, you know, expansive with them, you know, ask them to start running into corners because they've been exposed one on one. They're not they're not capable of it. And it's in its own way, it's, it's Nuno's genius that we've got to the stage we have got to with those guys in our back three in, in, in many ways. You know, he's still eked out as much as he can out of the players that we've got. Now, we've obviously mm-hmm. reached that point of no return where we, we need to upgrade and that's just a fact but well again going back yeah. to the back four the players look like they enjoyed it themselves I think today you know they looked, they enjoyed having more of the ball they enjoyed having options oh, yeah. ahead of them and, and finding players and finding passes and stuff so they're probably all for it as well mm, I, I've got I, I tweeted earlier and I've got an overriding concern going into next season I think let's let's Say that Foson give a, give give Nuno or the recruitment team a war chest, and we bring in fantastic centre half. We bring in a striker. Let's say Raul doesn't reach the heights he has, or he has a delay, or there's an injury to to Silver or something. We bring a striker. We, we revamp the team by having a manager that isn't proactive enough to see a game out, or isn't his game management just isn't good enough. Does it matter how good the squad will be? If we can't see a game out, no matter how good that squad is, so you, so let's say we get to the, we get to this game, the 11s picked, the subs are picked, right? Injuries, fine. So the squad might not be good enough, but you have 90 minutes to to, to manage a game out or to manage that game, and it's quite obvious. Sam Allardyce did, Nuno didn't. That's got to be a concern going forward because. Yeah, we've we've done some amazing things in the last couple of seasons, but that's a ceiling, and there's a glass ceiling there that's not going to get smashed until he changes things. Matt, surely. you say that, but did Sam Allardyce get the result he wanted from today? He didn't get the result he wanted from today, but you would argue that their squad and everything about them, they're 19th in the league for a reason, but without the changes he made, they'd have lost the game. Probably, yeah, the, but... Who was the better team today overall, over 90 minutes? Wolves were the better team over 90 minutes, but that 
that was in spite of Nuno, not because of Nuno. Do you think I, I, I'm not putting down Nuno personally? I, I, I think we got into enough good attacking positions, yeah, to have done more with what the what we did, mm-hmm. and that ultimately, you know, I think we were set up. I, I think we were set up fantastically. I, I, I have yeah. no no problems with that at all. But when when Sam Allardyce makes a change so early on, what have we changed for the better for the remaining sixty minutes of the game with what we had? Who the table doesn't lie. We're, we're higher up in the table than them. We've got these amazing players. That we've, we've just we've just waxed lyrical about their performances for the last half an hour. What have what have we done any differently to, to make that game any better? And I know uh, you know I know the surface. We've talked about the surface. We've talked about things like that. But they had chances as well. They were unlucky not to score and, and score more. I think I've got a genuine worry about just his game management. I think second half. But we started the second half like we started the second half at Brighton away. Not, I mean, we absolutely battered him. We, we, we gave away a penalty within the first minute. Yeah, you know, you know what, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I was, I was thinking that as soon as I was saying it. But you know what I mean. It was even even after we, it was battered one in that game. There's a one goal deficit again in that game. We didn't push on. We kind of it was the natural noon I think to kind of don't go too mad. And I know what Matt's saying because it's what I've said for a year and I've made my point very clear on this issue and I don't think he's ever going to get any better, to be honest. But the subs that he made, and obviously it was it was almost monsoon season by that point, so it's all irrelevant anyway, but the subs that Nuno made compared to what he, I mean, what happened afterwards? Nothing, nothing changed. He took, I to say we off when he was playing well. He took why did he take Vatini off of Gibbs White, even though Gibbs White did play well to be fair to him for a change. Yeah. Um and then Supermax came on and was solid as ever. But it, nothing really changed, did it? it, 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 it it's nothing. The king. Yeah. <laughs> You're just on the line now. <laughs> I mean, I'd, that'd be an are we interested more interested to see now Cody and King Max in a back two, just to see what happens than Sace again. I think we have, no, haven't we? We have seen it, I'm sure. Clean sheets galore, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember, to be honest. I don't think it's happened. I don't think you left it back four. I have to check this later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know, I know what you said, man. I've said it myself that I, I don't think he's... That, that lingering thing of his inability to be too adventurous is always going to be there regardless of what you do and how much you spend and what, what the players you've got in your squad. And that's just who he is. Mm. And I think it would be, I think it would be interesting to see how he approaches it. If he has a, if he actually has a bench that he can turn around and think, yeah, I've got A, B and C here who could change stuff where, you know, by his own philosophy, he just likes to have a very small, practically like, like he's 11 and that's it. Maybe one, just two options off the bench almost it seems, but I'd like to see how he would do if he has multiple credible options off a bench. Mm, but fair. admittedly, you know, history tells us that this is not his strongest point using subs to change a game. And we've all got the examples that we can point to to, to, back, to back that up, obviously. Um, but I'd like to see the goalpost moved where he does have a much a better calibre of options available and then let's see what what he does and let's see how he and let's see if he does what he does today 
like I say, look, taking off Virginia, arguably one of the two man of the matches we've got. You know, personally, would you know, I would have kept him on, but you know, I, and then who is Troy Ray staying on the pitch? Well, exactly, yeah. Because you can score, the, score in the last minute at Craven Cottage, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one he of those things. Absolutely isn't it? atrocious. He was. He was poor. He was. He was by far our worst player. The just, going, just going back to the point though about what what could Nuno have done to keep us ahead in that game, and you're not going to like the answer, but I think really the only thing that he could have done to keep us from stopping crosses, getting into the box, etc., because that's all they were doing. They weren't playing through us and breaking us down. Is getting the ball wide and putting balls in. That would have been to go back to a back five. Not one Wolves fan I know would have wanted to see that. No, because we know what would have happened. We'd have had a better chance of keeping a clean sheet. (laughs) Theoretically, you know, that in theory, that's what you think would happen. But as last week's show, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, there's a potential. There's a potential for spanner in the works, but I get, I get the theory of it. I get the theory behind it. Six months ago, then yeah, six months ago, yeah. But, not but this, is, this is the thing, we're playing the team like West Brom, who, you know, it's very much a scattergun approach, isn't it? You know, you sling enough shit, some of it's going to stick. <laughs> they put enough balls in the box, one of them's going to land in a position that you don't want it to, and that's at the striker's head or feet or whatever. And that's look, that's what's happened. We got away with a couple today, but we just don't have the individuals. You know, I'll tell you who we needed at the back when the crosses were coming in was probably Semi Ajay and freaking Carl Bartley, because <laughs> they'd have headed everything away. But they couldn't deal with the other stuff, the little movements around the box, you know, and that's, you know, that's just what we've got at the moment as a squad. And that comes back to the recruitment and all that kind of stuff. So it's a bigger issue than, than today, I think. Okay. Going back that's to a, the, fair enough. I was going to say, going back to the point about, because you know, we're, we're on the negative side, obviously, aren't we? And going back to Adama, it's, um, it, I mean, it, it's obviously an accepted fact that he was probably our worst player today. Um, very frustrating, just kept giving the ball away. Um, it, we're coming up to, I think we're coming up to a bit of a weird crossroads with him at, at the minute because, as far as I'm aware, there's still a contract dispute with him at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening to his value, you know, both to Wolves as a team and, and then also his monetary value. But I'm not quite sure which way it's going to go with him to the minute, at the minute, based on his performances this season as a whole and, you know, as a purely as a statistical point of view, he's gone backwards from last year. Mm. So, I mean, today, I know, today, I, 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 I say today, today, he's ruined Dayton or his game. The amount of times he overlapped and, under, and he was in prime position to do something and he fucked it up by being selfish. Over this and over is, again. This is this is where Dharma is not a combination player. He's yeah, been, like you, he's been drilled into him. You, when you get the ball, you go and take on every man that you see in front of you. And that's how he's played his whole career. You yeah. know, he's never been taught to almost probably how to do to play with you know an overlapping fullback and whatnot. Which is now I think when like you said that I think that we know where in the crossroads he needs to be the one to drive off to the left in the Paul Walker way. Yeah. And and just just to be gone because it's he said, "What? I mean, we've been on least eight good month, eight months in three years, really, of him being the top top player. It's not. I mean, this season's been a shambles for a lot of them, but I've <laughs> there's but there's patience and there's none now, <laughs> and it, it's uh, they've tried him on the left to make him be not as terrible. It worked for a while, 
and then he had to resort to the other side, and then that had the detrimental effect on Neto as well. And Pedens having no competition with Pedens being God knows what happened to him as well probably doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we are going to move into a different way of playing, like everyone says we are next season, we, he can't be playing because he's not a team player, like Gully said. He's not a team player. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about um, Traore and, and uh, Pedens in the second half. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, Brighton. So, uh, Gully, y- your boy, we're going to get a chance to talk about your boy, Potter. And yeah. um, yes. Stu. <laughs> <laughs> it's an opportunity for you to lower your heart rate before it gets uh, up too high. So we're going to be back uh, shortly and uh, we're going to have a quick break. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, Wolves Fancast please go check it out but they're not just web designers they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites brochures and signage to marketing logo design and branding there's basically nothing they can't do marketing wise so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and i'll let you get back to enjoying the show Welcome back, everybody, to Wolves Fancast. Looking ahead now to the game against Brighton. Got to be my least looked forward to game in a season ever. I think it's for them, a lot of people, it was the last home game they'd have been to, I believe, if they didn't go to... No, it would have been the last home game, I think. Everywhere. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Um, and it just brings dour, dour memories, really. The memory of some bloke literally falling asleep and kept banging his head into the back into me when I was just, <laughs> and I don't think it was because of the football even though it was abysmal but he missed he missed an Eve Bissouma masterclass then <laughs> <laughs> well here we go so first of all lineup wise I think a couple of players have already put their name on the team sheet bearing in mind we've got very little left to play for um what do you think from a lineup wise who has to start for you now going forward Pricey uh, King Kilman. <laughs> well, I knew he might yeah. be injured. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, I would largely keep it the same. And why wouldn't you? To be honest, I mean, we've had a, a, a positive performance against one Albion. Let's take it over to the other, another Albion. <laughs> I mean, we want to, we want to see more of Otisari, keep him in. We want to see more of Vitinha, keep him in. Fabio's in the got his groove back now, so uh, keep him in. Um, again, if if Aitnor is fit, which hopefully he is, I would just I would just change. Uh, say, I mean, it's dependent on you know the condition of Bolly, but um, if we if we see, if we think that he's still out, I would I would I'll bring in Kilman for safe personally. Other than that. Why else would you? Why else would you change it? Why, I mean, why, why would you bring anyone in? I, I don't. I don't really see the point of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stu, what would you be doing for for the game? Is there anybody that um, you know is state their claim has to start for you, or is there um, is there any surprises that you that you expect? Or do we return back to form 
if uh, if a few of the more senior players are available to us. That's that's the problem, mate. As soon as as soon as Matinho gets his uh, gets his latest drip sorted out and he's back <laughs> back on the pitch again, and you can just see it happening though. Even after today, that that's the first, if he does that, then mm, it's not even start. But I mean, for me, you, you can't really change anything apart from King Kilman, really, because it was an oh, for the vast majority of the game, it was a good performance. Mm-hmm. And if you if you've been really pedantic and say, but play Otto in his actual proper position next to Neves in the middle, and bring Kobiano in, and let's really rev it up. But that's not going to happen. So no, that sounds exciting. Yeah, exactly. sound exciting. It's too it's too exciting. I'm going to get myself all sweaty now. But. <laughs> Nuno's never going to go for that. It was madness. But yeah, the, mm. that's what I'd do. But no. If if one of the, if one of the others is, is fit, they'll play and the kids will be back on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's what I expect. Potentially. Gully, you've sacrificed all of this season to scout Graham Potter and Brighton all season. <laughs> Tell me, what are you expecting from them going into this game and how do you think the game will pan out? It's it's difficult to know what to expect with Brighton, to be honest. Um, they are um, the only reason they're not a top half team from what I've seen of them is Neil Mopai. Um, <laughs> he, should, he should be bagging about twenty goals a season in that team, and it is ridiculous how they don't win more games than they have. You know, I, I, and ultimately, uh, and I say I'll say this about any manager. You know, the only thing stopping managers, you know, that are coaching so well. You know, his, his players not necessarily putting chances away, and that's the only thing that, that, that Graham Potter's been a victim of this season. I think he's done a really, really good job with them. Um, and to be honest, if we go in with the back four, I can see us getting outplayed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of chances created against us, but I also don't really want to see the team change. And um, I want to give everybody who played today the opportunity to embed you know, what, what was good today a little bit more because there were some nice little link-ups and combinations. And mm-hmm. it, I just think in terms of putting your eggs in baskets, you, you shouldn't, you know, Matinho as a player, you know, he's not the future of the football club. No. People like William Jose, not the future of the football club. you got to be doing it for Silva's benefit, for Vitinha's benefit. Hopefully, I knew he's fit, having gone off injured today. So... These are the guys that are going to really benefit from those minutes on the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea of Corbiano, um, Stu, like of what, having watched him for the 23s, he's Amazing. electric. He's electric. Um, he just seems to have a bit of a odd relationship with Nuno, where I think Nuno thinks he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, doesn't he, from what, what mm-hmm. he said about the interviews him. and stuff like that, yeah. But, but Nuno likes a likes a you know clean cut good boy, doesn't he? He's, he likes his Ruben Neveses and and the like who are going to be you know little puppy dogs really for, for to carry out his plan. So maybe maybe it's like a North American thing and he just doesn't get them because we had all this whole thing about Artusewi as well and it, it's and he's, he's got an attitude problem. Maybe he just doesn't understand them. Maybe that's it's just not obviously literally, but the way they are, the way they hold themselves. Maybe that it's. They just rub him off. <laughs> they uh, some people. Oh, they're not rubbing him off. Yeah, exactly. Steady shit. Dan's Dan's been rubbing off Nuno all year. He's put everything, <laughs> and um, but maybe that's that's just what it is. It's just a personality clash, and he just the cultures are so different that it's 
they just don't get each other. You, think, that's, you think there's a geopolitical problem Yeah, exactly. There. Yeah. I see. I see. I understand. I mean, from a, from a predictions point of view, I, I just want it not to be a nil-nil <laughs> board draw. But I also don't want us to see us concede go up two or three and then, and then concede them all. And then we have the same conversations that we seem to always have where it's, well, Nuno made a negative change and then we started to concede and the pressure piled on there. That tends to happen in these games. Well, let's get a, yeah, let's put your um, predictions in. Give me a score prediction price. Well, funny you mention that. I've just been looking at um, Wolves v Brighton head-to-heads and uh, it makes particularly grim reading. Um on, Hit me up. Do you know what? I'm going to go with the, the what seems to be the favourite Wolves Brighton scoreline of nil nil. Oh dear, oh dear, mate. Go it's because I, I just I just remember it being it's always terrible. So nil nil. Shite, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the last game was it was definitely a, a turn away from that. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going for goals. To be fair, I'm going I'm going for a two two. <laughs> And what, uh, can we also get Gully's prediction on what the XG for both teams will be as well? <laughs> oh, Brighton will clock up like 7.24, so probably get 0.6, but still manage to score two, two real dodgy goals. I'd love to see the XG for Fabio Silva's goal today. <laughs> Jay, what about yourself? I think it's that they're not really Brighton of old, are they? They're not the kind of Chris Hewton shitty Brighton anymore. Uh, everyone should take the piss out of Gully for it. They are fun to watch, but... I mean, I think it was Adrian Clark on the Totally Show today. He said it, that if they had Ollie Watkins playing from, they could be seventh or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if Neil Mopo turns into Ronaldinho this weekend, <laughs> like we did to Chris Wood last week. Um, yeah, I'm going to go goals as well. Fuck it. Why not? Three all again. <laughs> wow. Christ, where's this come from? Uh, I'm going to go for a, a 1 1 Dar affair. Ball going in. Basically, Fabio's going to hit it from 45 yards and, and the wind takes it all the way in and he just <laughs> has this thing about being the luckiest goal scorer in, in Wolves colours in history. Aren't we on the uh, BBC graveyard shift as well this, this weekend? Or... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. say, say it ain't so. Sunday, 12 o'clock, innit? Yeah. Oh, I'll be going to the National Trust in that case. No, wait. Um, right, so obviously there's no uh, Twitter corner this week because of the social media blackout that the majority of high profile uh, Twitter accounts have been uh, adhering to, including um, some of the uh, major, major TV outlets uh, and all sorts. So we're going to have a very quick conversation about that before we wrap up. Um, obviously it's a massively, massively important issue and the reasons why uh, football teams and, uh, and other outlets have been doing the blackout is obvious we don't need to go into why they're doing it but how important is it for you guys that you know these companies and these accounts are doing this and do you think it shows enough of a message to facebook twitter instagram for them to make real change anybody want to step up to the plate on this one when you don't show them a a message it it hits somewhere it hurts and that's the wallets in the pockets yeah because they're where that that's a whole weekend's worth of ad, ad money pissed away because they can't sort themselves out and all it takes you use a passport driving license whatever you've got citizen card wherever you've got you have to put your details in if you ain't got one you can't come and play simple game over job done fuck it off but 
I mean, some. I mean, we obviously we're always going to do it, and everyone, every blue tick company or fan group has done the same, and not not venture onto Twitter or Insta or Facebook whatsoever. I mean, some people have been retweeting stuff, which is it's shameful to be honest. And everyone, everyone's <laughs> done it, apart from certain people. And you should be utterly ashamed of yourselves. Next. <laughs> I think you probably just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there is, there is, a, um, there is a, a responsibility for these massive accounts. And there's a responsibility for everybody because you have to lead by example in these things. But you are right. The only way that um, you can get to these companies is by attacking them where it hurts and that's and that's in their pockets um to be is, fair, is, it gonna be, well, is it gonna be an, it, will it be enough will it be enough well i mean i think we've only got to look at our own twitter world of, of wolverhampton wanderers fans you know to see that you know abuse happens in many forms it's not it's not necessarily you know someone sending a dm to a professional footballer you know that is the problem. You know, as much as it's 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 obviously a very high-profile version of the problem. People are throwing shade at people every single day on Twitter. You know, in many many forms, whether it be to do with their their you know sexual orientation, their race, you know, their viewpoint on who should be frigging starting a football match. <laughs> you know, this is like how serious this like this. You know, when you think about it. And, and, you know, Stu's, yeah, called out people for, you know, maybe not adhering to the blackout. But that void of tweets, you know, that's just filled by other people going at each other on frigging Wolves Twitter these days. And I'm not being funny. We can all practice the, you know, the, the, the high profile stuff and the media blackout and stuff like that. But there's a whole lot of shit going on, you know, football Twitter that is just totally unacceptable. And all we're here to do is debate football. You know, that's the long and short of it. It's a very simple, very um, unserious thing that we're doing here. And it doesn't warrant the level of abuse that people will stop. And 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 that's, you know, something that we all need to take on board. I mean, it's not just football Twitter, though. It's, it's every every kind of subgenre of Twitter you can possibly imagine. I mean, get, gamer Twitter's worse than football Twitter. I mean, that's, that's where the real, the real cesspits live. And it's... I mean, it's just, I mean, you, you've probably got Carphone Warehouse versus one to one if you're going to back to the 90s, if Twitter <laughs> existed then. It's Curry's versus, versus Dixon's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Lloyd's versus, oh, I forgot it. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. As long as you've got an opposite opinion from someone else, have it out. I mean, I mean I've, what I've always said on with my personal Twitter and I follow people who I don't agree with on a lot of things because it's healthy. You, you totally. if if you only if you only follow people or you only talk to people who've got the same opinion as you, what are you going to learn? It's it's, it's just but, you, know, you, you know you know Stu though that you know we can all do that, but people are just overstepping the mark. Yeah, and the, every the, the, single it, day, every single day. It so goes, something is that people wake up of a people go actively go looking for it, don't they? Actively go looking for the the confrontation, and it doesn't even require people to have their burn accounts or whatever, or the bot accounts, people will be themselves, but then also just be quite happy to throw shit anywhere, just as like a way to pass 10 minutes. Who can I, what can I say to this person right now? Or what can I just say to this? People just do it with reckless abandon, really, because there's no, what is the comeback for it, really? I mean, unless you do something massively, massively severe, 
you might get a knock from from the old bill. But other than that, what are you going to do? Just get your account suspended. Okay, well I'll make another one. Yeah. But there's no real there's no real comeback, and that's and re- really why you can't, and you can't blame the social media. You can't blame social media companies for that. That's just human beings being fucking twats. Well, exactly, and you know, obviously, ID would be great, but can you can you really see these companies agreeing to do that because that will ultimately hit them in their pockets, won't it? Really, if you take you give them one one account, one account only, and it's you, and if if you're if you're on the naughty list, you'll never be allowed to come back on the, the platform again. That ultimately hit their them in the, the wallet, so they'll keep they'll keep the can down the road saying, yeah, we're looking mm. into what we can do X Y Z, but ultimately. They won't. They'll never. They won't. Sadly, oh. sadly, they if, won't. They won't ever do about it. If if it's not on them, then it, you kick it higher and make it government and make it law. Make well, it yeah, that's it. it. Has to be regulatory. And yeah. we've seen that with mm. the ESL, the Super League stuff. You know, when people kick up enough for fuss and shit hits the fan to a level that it did, you know, they're bringing in the you know regulations that are going to prevent something from happening. So, I hope it doesn't get to a stage where it's you know that level of seriousness but that's the only way to really manage people it seems i mean mm. the, you, you have got there's the line as well where there's the line with being a wind-up merchant and trying to have a bit of a laugh to going way too far and the vast majority of people you because you'll always get people who just can't take a joke however innocent it is yeah. and they will get reported so you have got to have the line of well yeah obviously if you're putting yourself out there then you are going to get some blowback from me. But as long as it's on that, as long as it doesn't get abusive and personal, then fine. Just just behave yourselves. <laughs> it's so... I think the I think the override the overriding factor is it's it's abundantly clear that that social media companies have a responsibility and at the moment they aren't they aren't taking their share of that responsibility and they need to do more. And I hope this blackout has shown that if things don't change, this will just happen more, you know, peaceful protests do work and and things can change, but companies have to understand that they have a responsibility as well. And let's just hope that through the effort of the majority, you know, these things happen because it's for the better of everybody. It's for the better of the players, better for mental health, better for the reputation of the game, just better for everybody. If these things are squashed as soon as physically possible, but it's probably one for a separate show altogether, really. Um, we'll kind of wrap it up there for now. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, make sure you are subscribed to us on our social media platforms uh, post-blackout so you can get all of our uh, content as soon as it arrives. Make sure you subscribe with your notifications on, including our YouTube channel, to get all of our content as soon as it lands. Um Cheers, guys, for coming on as usual. Looking forward to um, the next game, and hopefully we can see another result for the good guys and see the um, see the young kids stamp their names on the uh, fixture lists going forward. But for now, Gully, if you want to say goodbye. Shit on the baggies. Shit on the baggies. Price? <laughs> Take care, guys. See you later. And Stu? At least they'll be down next week. Ta-ra. Exactly. Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a new season we recommend. I'm Sam Bungie, one of the hosts of West Cork, a story about a community on the far south coast of Ireland that became a kind of paradise for people looking for a fresh start. And nobody knew their past. You could be who you wanted to be rather than who you really were. Then one newcomer was murdered and another was suspected of doing it. I see him in the market and really he's always trying to be normal and trying to get people to like him. But we all know, don't we? Listen to West Cork now on Acast. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.